Patrick Henningsen of 21st Century Wire is one of my favorite journalists and a great talker as well as a great writer. He is a global affairs analyst, he's a TV and radio broadcaster, and uh, he joins me now by Skype. Patrick, thank you very much indeed for joining us. I hope we momentarily didn't get our Patricks mixed up uh, in the last moment or two. I saw you briefly on the screen, and I'm glad to see that you're back. Patrick, uh, the thing I wanted to talk to you about most of all was uh, a splendid article by, uh, by Kit uh, Clarenberg in, uh, of, uh, of this parish, actually, of uh, Sputnik, uh, about the reshaping of uh, Britain's secret uh, intelligence psyop uh, warfare uh, outfits. Integrity Initiative collapsed in ridicule, really, in ruin, and so they've had to uh, reshape it and call it something else. Um, is there going to be any difference in the new outfit? Sketch, if you will, the, the architecture of Britain's new PSYOP operation. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me, George. Yeah, so the, uh, the Integrity Initiative uh, has mutated. And for those who aren't familiar with what the Integrity Initiative was, it's sort of a clandestine network of uh, operatives, political operatives, journalists uh, working under the sort of umbrella of the uh, British Foreign and Commonwealth Office. And they're all sort of on side. Uh, in and this, don't forget this the Benjamins, Patrick. They're not, yeah. doing it, they're not doing it for nothing. No, no, they're not doing it. But we're told, uh, George, that they're doing it to defend democracy in the West and oh, to yeah. protect to protect Britain from Russian influence and yeah. attacks on other democracy. Uh, but uh, th this latest mutation is basically designed to conceal uh, a bit more because they had problems uh, with the leak or the hack of the Integrity Initiative documents that started in late 2018. And it was hugely embarrassing and it caused a whole rethink and uh, uh, shockwaves went through the Foreign and Commonwealth Office. So they now it falls more under uh, non-disclosure agreements that are kind of almost parallel to the Official Secrets Act. So there's a little bit more secrecy involved, but it's kind of ridiculous because uh, what, what we now know the names of some of the sort of leaders and the, the, the drivers of this. So but the, the bottom line here, George, is this is the weaponization of the third sector. Uh, this is employing NGOs, uh, it's employing journalists, but also charities and doing the job of uh, information warfare that previously would have been done under sort of government management. They've sort of spread it out under this myriad of uh, uh, NGOs like led by the Atlantic Council, uh, the DFR Labs, Bellingcat, Zinc is another one of these sort of funding vehicles and uh, Orwellian titles like the uh, Me Media Diversity Institute. Uh, so this latest is the Open Information Partnership. Uh, this is a, basically a co copy of the Expose Network, which was launched in uh, March. Uh, of 2019, but the, the name wasn't very good in terms of PR, so it seems like they've quickly rejigged the PR. They're having a lot of problems, teething problems, George, with making this sort of thing work. And uh, I can sort of give you 
um, the reasons why it's it's going to basically fail. Uh, but uh, it, it does include weaponized trolling, George. So all of these things that uh, you know we accuse the Russians of doing, uh, which is state-sponsored propaganda, planting fake news, running troll armies on social media, meddling in Western democracy, large-scale malicious disinformation influence campaigns we were told Russia was doing, running clandestine networks, working with the government and the military, organized smear campaigns, all of these things. These things that the Russians were supposedly doing all these years actually are being done by Britain, by the United States, by EU member states, effectively NATO member states. So everything that they've accused Russia of doing, they're actually doing themselves. Yeah, and, and, I, and even worse, Patrick, uh, if the Russians were doing it, they were doing it to foreigners in foreign countries. Our uh, PSYOP army is actually doing it to us in our country. So we're paying taxes to a government that is giving money to these PSYOP warriors to attack us. Yeah, yeah. So they, they're, they want to say they're defending democracy against Russian disinformation. But in reality, networks like this that include journalists that are already on six-figure salaries with some of the leading papers like The Times, The Guardian, Sky News, etc. They're spreading disinformation uh, and actually attacking democracies like in Spain. Uh, they had a defense minister basically, uh, his his nomination withdrawn. Yeah, through this sort they, boasted, of they boasted about that yeah and uh, not not Russian it's not ru Russian disinformation it's it's people like us it's social media users exposing uh, the reams of disinformation that are spewing out of government and mainstream media but what they're doing is labeling that as Russian disinformation basically anything that counters the sort of prevailing uh, state narrative or the prevailing NATO narrative is being automatically labeled as somehow Russian disinformation or has Russian influence behind it so you know the only threat to democracy that I can see and many others is this constant manipulation and interference by these types of networks that are run by a government that are paid for by the taxpayer, uh, basically spreading disinformation about Russian uh, supposed disinformation operations. So it's not the Russians, it's us that's the target. I say us, the general public who use social media, but also independent journalists, people like yourself, uh, networks like the networks that are carrying your shows as well. But we're the real threat uh, uh, to the established order in that sense. So, but this is interesting, George, because this is an identical carbon copy of something that was formulated during the Cold War, which was called the Information Research Department. And this was to counter Soviet propaganda and infiltration. And they were especially concerned with infiltration into labor unions and the international socialist, as it were. But, you know, the question was, even back then, George, now we're looking back at this, this is a carbon copy of a Cold War model. How much of that infiltration was infiltration by the Soviets and how much was actually the uh, British state trying to undermine the labor movement itself? So the parallels to today are frankly striking. Especially, Although, uh, look, uh, I was around, Patrick, when the IRD were uh, active. It was in snail mail time. Everything was on paper, uh, pamphlets and books and so on. We've now got a phenomenally more savvy general public, don't we? And so fast, you know, I can and you can put out a message, in my case, to well over a million followers, 
uh, that will rapidly multiply and, and move. Uh, and because people, I think, certainly my one million plus followers do, trust me, they, they might not agree with me, but they trust me that I'm telling them what I think is the truth. But when it comes to state disinformation uh, uh, efforts like this, they have the major handicap that nobody trusts them. Yeah, it's not only that, but you know, there's, a, there's my old saying, which I coined, was uh, uh, the truth costs nothing to go viral. But if you want to push you know what uphill, uh, it costs, in this case, 100 million pounds wow. uh, need, needs to be allocated to push basically uh, something that's not true, something that's uh, twisted, manipulated. But people like uh, Internet users who follow you on Twitter, George, a lot of your active uh, compatriots on social media, th they're, they're doing it for free because they recognize the truth has a certain ring to it, but not only that, they can do their own research and triangulate the facts themselves. And there's hundreds and thousands of people that are doing this. No matter how many troll armies that they can build to sort of in interfere, what, what will eventually happen, George, if the government keeps at this, they'll, they'll ruin a lot of social media platforms just by the sheer scale of the sort of state-sponsored trolling or the NGO, uh, Quango, third sector, state-funded. Uh, trolling that that we're seeing right now already that's definitely the case uh, around Bellingcat and some of these other uh, organizations that have been funded by these same oracles. Uh, they're, they're, they have to deploy trolls to manage the conversation, to validate their findings, to create the appearance that what they're putting out is true and has broad public support when in fact it doesn't. And the mainstream media plays that role for them as well. So there isn't a bit of an illusion to a lot of the general public as to what's the, tr the truth behind any story like script like the chemical weapons attacks in Duma, uh, like so many others, um, there is a portion of the public that's still being led up the garden path by this very elaborate network that stretches from these NGOs, these foreign office uh, projects, and also with mainstream media uh, providing the sort of heavy lifting in terms of credibility, as it were. Well, uh, you're right to point at the multiple levels of this. Uh, I, I recalled, uh, as you were speaking, uh, the uh, encounter between Professor Noam Chomsky and Andrew Marr. Andrew Marr said, I can say anything I like on the BBC. And Professor Chomsky answers, but you wouldn't be on the BBC unless the BBC were confident that they liked what you say. And that is, of course, true. Uh, there's, there's, there's more chance of me landing on the moon than landing a job with the BBC presenting a program like this. There's more chance of me uh, uh, rewriting uh, some of the great historical works than there is of me writing a column for one of the billionaire-owned uh, surviving uh, newspapers and so on. So you've got the uh, monopoly ownership of what they call the mainstream media. Then you've got the state regulator, who is the reason I'm here uh, on Sputnik, because they started coming after me because I challenged the state narrative on the Scripple affair. And now we've got another wing. A hundred million pounds, you say, of taxpayers' money uh, to uh, spread disinformation on social media and throughout our society. Again, I repeat to you, we are paying them to mislead us. We are paying them to attack our uh, tribunes, to try and destroy them.
And as you say, fourthly, you have the real danger that places like Twitter and even Facebook and even uh, YouTube will increasingly become less hospitable to voices like yours and mine. We better get busy inventing new platforms, Patrick, don't you think? Yeah, no, you're not wrong there, George. I mean, the Atlantic Council, uh, this is a, a, a so-called think tank, which is, gets money from the uh, Gulf states, from the military uh, defense industry, uh, from governments as well, from NATO. Uh, and they're advising Facebook on what counts to uh, ban or, you know, there's Venezuela accounts being pulled down in mass a couple of months ago, Iranian accounts being pulled down in mass. And they're saying that these are, these are bot accounts. And this isn't actually true. Uh, as, at the same goes for the so-called Russian bot accounts, many of which were pulled down or accused of being such uh, in the public by the Atlantic Council. But the problem is they, they do have the ear of uh, Twitter, of, of the Jack Dorseys of the world in the Silicon Valley, of the Mark Zuckerbergs in the world. And if you look at the behavior of these social media companies, they will, they will attack anybody. They will deplatform anybody depending on what country they're in. So Twitter will attack the Venezuelan socialists. They'll deplatform them on the left or the Bernie progressives uh, in, in America, let's say. And on the right, uh, they'll go for the American conservatives. Uh, they'll go for the anti-globalism uh, activist uh, group or whatever. They'll also hit across the board anti-war, anti-interventionist, anti-imperialist. So they're pretty much going in all directions in terms of deplatforming. It's not just one group or another. It does change. It's relative to the political climate in each in each country. Because at the end of the day, the large social media monopolies, they want to be able to operate and have access to Pakistan, to Brazil, to Argentina, to all of these markets. So they'll they'll do whatever the gov whatever the prevailing winds of government are in those countries. And in the case of Britain, uh, they're putting pressure on these social media companies to quote clean up their act of extremism or hate speech or extremist speech. Granted, there is uh, a, a hate speech and things like this that do exist that is real incitement of violence. But the definition just keeps getting more and more arbitrary. And at the end of the day, you can block somebody on Twitter. You can block them on Facebook. They already have tools. Uh, if you don't like what you're seeing or you want to sort of filter out some of the uh, unsavory bits, um, it's already there. But they're going a little bit further than that. And they're doing that uh, with the uh, partnership of government. The UK government is running its online harms consultancy, uh, public consultancy, which finished uh, only last week. And uh, so they're going to take that feedback from the public. I don't know how much they're going to pay attention, but they're going to do that to sort of inform the sort of the government censorship dictates of the next few years and, and enshrine some of this into law. It's very scary, actually, uh, this, the level of collusion between government and social media digital monopolies. It's not just national monopolies, George. It's unprecedented. It's a global monopoly. Think of the power involved there that these companies have in terms of regulating the conversation in any country or globally. Now, just remind me, what's this new outfit called? Uh, because I'll tell you, uh, one thing they'll not be able to close down, uh, I hope, uh, is parliamentary scrutiny. Um, people can, if I were still a member of parliament, I'd be asking, believe me, many hundreds of parliamentary questions uh, to uh, get at the truth of what these people were doing. And questions were asked, and it was one of the reasons for the apparent demise of the Integrity Initiative, uh, when it was discovered 
that the Integrity Initiative were using government money to attack the leader of the opposition. Uh, so parliamentary scrutiny cannot be avoided uh, if the money is coming from the Foreign Office budget. Uh, the, the government refuses to answer questions about intelligence matters, but this is not coming, is it, from the intelligence agencies. It's coming from the FCO. So British members of parliament can subject uh, this expenditure to rigorous questioning. That's right, that's right. So th this particular program is allocated 10, billion, uh, 10 million pounds. Uh, this is the Open Information Partnership, as it's called. Uh, and this is basically a, a child of the Integrity Initiative for all intents and purposes. But yeah, this does fall under the Commonwealth Office. And from the beginning of these programs, the foundation of the Institute for Statecraft, uh, which was in 2005, 2006, laid dormant until Russia became public enemy number one officially uh, after the Ukrainian crisis. And so we're talking about a, a projection uh, in total expenditures in all these programs, at least 100 million at least 100 million. So the Open Information Partnership, so this is the Foreign and Commonwealth Office, this is under their counter disinformation and media development program, very Orwellian sounding program run by Alan Duncan, we're told. But you also have to remember, George, this is all under the purview of the Cabinet Office, actually, and Mark said will. So these, this, there's been a revolution in government in, in the UK that, uh, that Tony Blair is responsible for, yeah. which was reversing uh, decision-making and agenda-making, which used to come from ministers' offices and ministers to instruct the cabinet office uh, to get, you know, to, and that, but now it goes the other way, George. Uh, decisions and agendas uh, are being made in the cabinet office and they're being put out to the various ministerial departments where they have to execute that policy or that agenda. Yeah, so although the, the cabinet office itself can be questioned, but you're right to say Tony Blair, uh, because he wanted to be the president, but that's not allowed here, uh, he made uh, the cabinet office into essentially a presidency through which he could operate. I know Alan right. Duncan exceedingly well, more well than uh, I could really tell you on the air. Uh, I know everything about Alan Duncan. He is a person with some honor. Uh, and uh, I hope that he'll act uh, with honor uh, in this regard. And if he doesn't, uh, if Jeremy Corbyn's watching, as he well might be, I really hope that the next government, if it is one that he can influence, should scrap these things. Because, you know, the truth, as you say, the truth doesn't need government money uh, to, be, uh, to be circulated. People circulate the truth for free. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, there are hundreds of thousands, millions of good, honest citizens in Britain who want to find the truth and pass it on to other people. It's only, as you say, when you're trying to put, you know, push you-know-what up a hill that you've got to pay £100 million pounds, uh, so to do it. Patrick, uh, I just close with this. A young, super smart, dynamic fellow like you should be looking at how we can have our own Twitter, how we can have our own Facebook, how we can have our own YouTube. No disrespect to the owners of those three companies, but if the day ever comes that I can't find you on them, or you can't find me on them, people have got to know that there is somewhere that we can go that is not in the pockets of these uh, billionaire uh, corporations. Patrick Henningsen, 
of 21st century wire. I urge everyone to follow 21st century wire. They produce wonderful stuff. Uh, Patrick, the very best of luck and power to your elbow. That's Patrick Henningsen of 21st century wire.